sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk. And indeed, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And indeed, as I often say at the beginning of this, this is your spot for partisan Missouri takes. But you know what? Often, it's also your place for alternative Missouri takes as well. It sure seems like I depart from the beat writer consensus here. And, well, that's probably going to happen here again a little bit later because after one day of class at Mizzou, of Zoom classes for the most part, well, we've got a professor who has been relieved of his teaching duties already for making a joke. Yes, an innocuous joke. Boy, that didn't take long, did it? Well, I have some thoughts on this whole debacle. Plus, I do want to get to my thoughts about switching in basketball that Michael Porter Jr. kind of brought up. Also, we've got quite a few Mizzou football notes to get to. But you know what? First, let's not bury the lead. Missouri basketball got another commitment for its next recruiting class. And that man is Caleb Brown, indeed the brother of current Missouri forward Kobe Brown. Both kids went to Lee High School in Huntsville, Alabama, coached by their father, Greg Brown, in fact. And quite honestly, despite that obvious connection to Caleb Brown through his older brother Kobe, it seemed like the expectation was that Caleb was going to commit to either West Virginia or Virginia Tech, but nope, that that didn't happen. And frankly, this whole COVID-19 period where obviously traveling, all kinds of different interactions are being limited, well, Missouri was the only campus that young Mr. Caleb had had a chance to actually visit. So clearly that was a big factor for Missouri getting Caleb. And as anybody does who commits to Conzo Martin and his staff, they really, Caleb definitely talked about just what a, a good man Coach Martin is and how often the talks were about a lot more than just basketball. So that theme certainly continues. And obviously just the fact that they're a relationship with Caleb and that staff went all the way back to Kobe's days as a recruit, even a year and a half ago when Kobe had initially recruited to Texas A&M. But as far as Caleb goes, just based on his six-and-a-half-minute highlight video that I'll link to in the description of this podcast, he's definitely more of a guard than his brother. Caleb is a tiny bit shorter than Kobe, about six foot six. Now, while Kobe is kind of a forward, I would say a combo forward with some guard skills, Caleb is much more of a a bigger, wide-body point guard. And by wide-body, what I really mean is he has got a big old butt on him, like a Charles Barkley-type butt. And that's not, I don't mean that to sound insulting. No, it's actually a compliment. Having a big butt in basketball is not the worst thing in the world. In fact, it's an advantage. Notice how often you're using your butt and your hips in order to turn and pivot and use space and get your angle, that type of deal. In fact, Chris Paul, notice his derriere next time you watch the Oklahoma City Thunder play in the NBA playoffs. He definitely uses that thing to his advantage. Now again, his coach, Greg Brown, his dad, also his dad, his dad slash coach, Greg Brown, described his son 
younger son, Caleb, is having a super high IQ when it comes to passing the ball. And certainly, he seems to have a really good feel based on his highlights, really good ball handling skills as well. And he definitely uses that wide body to his advantage in order to keep the ball away from defenders. Now, one thing you notice, again, just describing him as sort of a wider six foot six guy at point guard, as you might expect, Caleb is not exactly blowing guys off the dribble. But, again, because he's such a good ball handler, because he has that size, he's able to use that handle and use his ability to get an angle and then his physicality to get past that first defender. And I think in the SEC, he'll be able to get by that first defender. Now, my question is, will he be able to finish at the rim? Because most high school kids, especially if you're 6'6 or above and you've got a D1 offer, well, you're going to see quite a few dunks in that highlights. Well, there were no in-game dunks to be had in young Caleb's highlights. So what that tells me is he's not much of an explosive athlete, much more of a skilled type player, again, with a big body that he uses to his advantage. But again, once he beats that first guy, finishing at the rim is probably going to be a challenge for him. But again, the good news is if his dad's right and he has a super high basketball IQ, well, again, he'll be able to see that second defender coming and hopefully use that passing ability to his advantage and set his teammates up for easy baskets instead of getting shots at the rim pinned against the backboard, as you often see from below-the-rim guards in this league. One thing Caleb said about his brother Kobe is that they have great chemistry, and he says, I don't think it can be duplicated anywhere else. It's definitely fun to watch. There will be a lot of lobs, a lot of fun plays, a lot of highlights. And you know what? That did get me excited and also reminded me a little bit of how we were stolen the fun of watching Jonte and Michael Porter play together. We saw in that NCAA tournament game, maybe it was a maybe it was the Big 12 or I'm sorry, the SEC tournament, but Jonte threw just a really unbelievable pass to Michael at one point that you could tell that was one of those things where there was sort of a a, a second sense a sixth sense, I guess is the term. <laughs> That's the cliche, not second sense. A sixth sense that Jonte had for knowing exactly where his brother would be and vice versa. And that's something that I thought we missed out on Mizzou fans, not only just Michael Porter individually, but just those two and their chemistry. So hopefully, hey, maybe we can get that going with Caleb and Kobe to some extent too. Another play in his highlight video, Caleb Brown, that is, that I thought was really intriguing. By the way, speaking of Jonte Porter, at one point he was in the low post and kicked out for an assist for a wide-open three to one of his teammates with a nice look. And, you know, again, that's something Conzo Martin talked about a little bit with Co- with Caleb, I should say, is that they aren't necessarily just plugging him in as a pure point guard. They're thinking he can be more versatile than that. Maybe he can play the one through the four. And, again, at six foot six with a decent-sized frame, he can maybe hang. You know, we saw Kim English – hang as a four-man back in 2012, the de facto four-man. Obviously, he wasn't a pure power forward by any stretch of that definition, but could Caleb be a combo forward, maybe stretch the floor out a little bit? I think he can, but it's going to require him probably improving his shot a little bit, I would say, because 
while I didn't get a good indication or sense for what kind of percentage he shot in AAU or in high school ball, just by looking at his shot, he doesn't have the most pure-looking shot I've ever seen. At times, I thought his release was a little bit maybe low and slow. So that'll be something he has to work on. And, you know, like Kobe, you know, we sort of expected him to maybe be a stretch forward type player. Well, so far, since he was sub 30% from three last season, that was more of a theory than an actual result. So hopefully, maybe maybe Caleb's jump shooter shot will be a little bit more ready for prime time, but we'll just have to see. One final note on him that I did like a lot. I noticed that he can, not only as a good ball handler with his left hand, his off hand, by the way, his non-shooting hand, but he can also pass and finish with that left hand, too. Now, we certainly think about, as young guys, when we grow up, we try to learn how to dribble with our left and shoot left-handed layups, but the one-handed pass with the left, with your off hand, now that is really a next-level kind of skill that I was definitely impressed with Caleb Brown on, so hopefully... Another nice member, another nice Tiger going forward. Somebody will remember for a long time. But I do want to get to some Mizzou football after the break, including some news about the capacity for Missouri's first road game of the season. First, I do want to tell you about rockauto.com. Because I don't know about you all, but I'm really tired of overpaying for parts at the dealership. And with an ever-increasing number of makes including Fiat and Kia and new models like the Chrysler Pacifica, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need at a traditional dealership or even those chain storefronts. So why endure the pointless or seemingly intimidating questions about what type of car you own, what type of car you exactly need, and wait while the counterman orders whatever he wants, choosing the brands that his warehouse happens to carry? Well, now you have a computer in your pocket, and thanks to rockauto.com, you don't have to deal with any of this nonsense. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your vehicle, and also write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Well, as you all know by now, Missouri is playing Alabama and LSU in two of its first three games. So, therefore, that makes at Tennessee in Knoxville in week two, well, that makes the easy one of the first three weeks of the season. Can you imagine in the first three weeks of the season you would have thought playing in a stadium with 100,000 people, one of the Blue Blood programs of the SEC, yeah, that'll be the easy one. But, fortunately... Well, we won't be playing in front of 100,000 people this year, will we? In fact, the Tennessee Volunteers, according to their athletic director and former coach Phil Fulmer, 25% for capacity, again, for Mizzou's first true road game of this season. So that news wasn't too surprising and really about in line with certainly what Missouri and the most, most of the rest of the team still playing football seem to be planning for. At this point, and well, certainly one thing that could change that is a spike in in cases of coronavirus. But well, so far at least, would seem to be somewhat good news on the first day of classes, as the Kansas City Star puts it, 
more than 150 students have COVID-19, the university says. Now, frankly, I don't know why they didn't just give us the actual number. Why did they say more than 150? Now, if it's an estimate, we'll say between 150 and 165, whatever it might be. But the whole more than 150, well, that just allows your mind to wander a little bit, doesn't it? But again, just something I've complained about a decent bit, the sort of negative bias that seems to be on just about any story, but especially COVID-19. But I digress. One thing that's funny is that a lot of top 25 teams from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have been voted into the top 25, which is, well... I don't know how we make sense of any of that, but my old buddy Jimmy Stein from Locked On Bama, speaking of the Tide, by the way, you can follow him on on Twitter, at QB Country. He had a good thought. He said, well, if if only 40%, if about 40% of the teams are not playing in FCS, well, why not just have a top 15 instead of a top 25? And I thought that was a pretty good idea because, frankly, It then made me think, well, what would the threshold for Missouri to get in the top 25 be this year? Obviously, a lot less competition in the Power Five. So, And especially with this crazy schedule. Well, first of all, if Missouri, again, I broke down their schedule, said there's four almost certain losses, two probable wins, and four toss-ups. Well, let's get, let's say maybe the ceiling is six and four. We lose those four likely losses teams that are currently in the top 10 well yeah six and four that would definitely do it with that schedule now would five and five do it I think it might four and six would probably be a little bit short we'd probably at least get some votes in the top 25 but I genuinely think if Mizzou went five and five with this schedule they might be ranked about 25 26 something like that so that's that's again that's that's where the bar is this season. We're just going to all have to mentally hit the reset button on the on the water. You know, when you've got those water tanks at home, you put salt in them. Sometimes you have to reset the water level once you refill it. Well, I think it's all time for us to reset our own water level in terms of expectations. And speaking of which, if Missouri is going to clear anybody's expectations, any bar for what a great type of season is going to be, I think we heard some encouraging comments from Ryan Walters. He said, quote, I think we'll be better at corner than we were last year, end quote. And quite honestly, corner was one of my biggest question marks coming into this season. Now, defensive end was an obvious one. Offensive line was an obvious one. Certainly receiver and quarterback were obvious ones. But to me, with Christian Holmes and DeMarcus Acey moving on, I just felt like that was a huge gaping hole in our defense, quite possibly. But, you know what? Missouri coaches have really talked up Jarvis Ware, who certainly played a good bit last year. Maybe lost his cool a couple of times during the season. I think some fans were, were put off by maybe his constant jawing at the opponents. And he committed a, a decent amount of penalties, too. But I think it's important to remember, sometimes those penalties, you want your defensive backs, especially in this era, to be physical and to almost be on the boundary of committing a penalty almost at all times because if you just let those guys run free, 
it's really hard, especially with Missouri's lack of front four pressure the last few years, to actually defend the pass game. So I would assume that they're they're liking what they see from again Jarvis Ware, and I've also got to think you know this is me speculating, but maybe Ryan Walters is again liking what he sees from Ennis Rakestraw, and hopefully some other guys on the roster too. So I just thought that was a really encouraging thing to note. And finally, I want to quickly get to my rant on switching in basketball, the over reliance on it, plus that Missouri professor who was relieved of his duties after just one day teaching Zoom right after this. So I made reference last week to Quinn Snyder just relentlessly attacking Michael Porter Jr. at the end of, I believe it was game two of the Nuggets and Utah Jazz series to the point where, well, Mike Malone had to pull Michael Porter from the game. But my thing was is, okay, yes, you're right. If you're going to switch every time and Michael Porter Jr. has to guard Donovan Mitchell, who ended up scoring... 57 points in that game who is a for those of you who aren't big NBA fans he's like a six foot five quick guard not exactly a great matchup for six foot ten Michael Porter in general so to me is okay yes if you're if you can only switch then yeah he's got to come out because he can't move side to side quickly enough at this point in his career to even remotely hang with somebody like Donovan Mitchell but my point is When in basketball did that become, especially in the NBA, that's become the only strategy. And even in college, to some extent, everybody is now sort of striving to have a bunch of six foot five to six foot eight, you know, guards slash combo forwards who can just switch everything. Now, I understand the need for that, especially in the NBA where just about everybody can shoot, but. To me, Michael Porter Jr., way too good of an offensive player to just take out of the game there. And by the way, whatever happened to trying to fight through a screen? Whatever happened to try to go over or under the top of the screen? Maybe have the guy like Michael Porter hedge on the screen. There's a million different ways to defend screen and roll basketball, but it just seems like switching, which really, when I was coming up, switching was considered lazy. Like you were just, oh, you're too lazy, you're too soft to go over through the screen, so you're just going to switch. You know, to me, I think there's obviously there's there's obvious times where switching is advantageous, but it's just become brainless to me. It's just become kind of lazy defensive basketball. You know, oh well, we don't really we've got a bunch of offensive guys. Not to get too deep into this, but it's become necessary to have five guys who, if they can't shoot, they got to be able to do something offensive with offensive basketball. The days of you know the Chicago Bulls having three centers on their team, other than Luke Longley, neither, neither of, none of which could do a lot offensively, I just think those days are over. And yet still, there's always, especially coming down the stretch of a big game, whether it's the NCAA tournament or it's the NBA playoffs, there's going to be moments, there's going to be a guy on the floor who doesn't really want to shoot. So instead of switching, instead of letting that guy off the hook and basically saying, all right, we'll just let this their best player go one-on-one, maybe put a second player on that guy for at least a split second and dare that guy who is afraid to shoot, we'll make him put it up. That's my argument. All right, I'll be honest, that'll be it for sports talk today. This last few minutes here is going to be all about, well, again, Joel Poor. 
a teaching professor at the College of Business at Mizzou, has been relieved of his teaching duties. And, well, I'm going to have my comments on that, especially the way in which the Columbia Missourian has covered this story. Now, of course, if you're a Mizzou person, you'll remember Concerned Citizen 1918 or 1958. I'm sorry, I'm now I'm now forgetting what the what the year or, or number that was used there. But regardless, the point is is there's now there's still a an account on the internet that is called Still Concerned, and it's the Mizzou. Let's see. Let me just click on this really quick. Yes, Mizzou is still concerned. That's what this account is called. They aren't really officially affiliated with anything as far as I can tell, but this is obviously a Mizzou-centric account. But this still-concerned account, this is the important part. They tweeted out on August 24th at 2.50 p.m., and they tagged the official Mizzou Twitter account saying, Mizzou, fire Professor Professor Joel Poor for his racist and xenophobic comments that he delivered to his marketing 3000 class today. Well, let's hear that comment really quick. Um, anyone else from outside the United States? Uh, and where are you from? China. China? I've heard of China. <laughs> where, where are you from in China? Actually, Wuhan. Wuhan? <laughs> Let me get my mask on. Okay, hold on. So what you can't hear at the end there, he's he's smiling. Mr. Poor is smiling. He says that. And he says, no, as in, no, I'm just kidding. And obviously you heard him say, he said, hey, is he's just, this is the first day of class. He's trying to get a feel for who his kids are this semester. And he says, hey, any, anybody, anybody else from outside the United States? And the guy goes, oh, I'm from China. And he goes, oh, yeah, I've heard of China. Making Again, if you have a sense of humor, which I'd like to think those of you who are listening to this do, but if you have a sense of humor, obviously you can sense what he's saying there. He's saying, he's acknowledging, oh yeah, China's been a pretty big part of the news, hasn't it? And indeed, the Wuhan, <laughs> I don't want to call it the Wuhan virus, but we all know that for, for months, the media has speculated that this thing started off in Wuhan, China. And indeed, this is why the Wuhan, sorry, the COVID-19 virus is why we're having this call on Zoom right now. So he's just simply acknowledging that fact. So then in the context of that, when he follows up with, oh, I'm from Wuhan, you can also humorously acknowledge that as well. Frankly, if you didn't at least acknowledge the sort of, maybe humor is the wrong word, but the at least the coincidence of, oh, we're, we're sort of doing this Zoom class and, oh, this person is from Wuhan, China. If you didn't at least acknowledge that, I question your, your humanity. Honestly, are, are you brain dead? If you can't at least acknowledge the sort of, I don't know, again, the coincidence of that fact. Now, what really upsets me about this whole thing is somebody who is an alum of the Missouri School of Journalism and also a, a member, former member of the Columbia Missourian is that that following clip, the previous clip, I should say, that was posted by the still concerned Twitter feed, well, that's the one that they shared on the Missourian as well. But if you actually, you got to dig into this on Twitter. So I did, basically, I did the Missourian's journalism work for them. 
Well, you can find out, and I'll post this in the link to the description, but here's the entire clip. Here's a much longer clip where you get to hear the reaction of the student after the joke was played. So let's just hear that whole thing. Um, anyone else from outside the United States? And? And where are you from? China. China? I've heard of China. <laughs> where Where are you from in China? Actually, Wuhan. Wuhan. <laughs> Let me get my mask on. Okay, hold on. No. Now, well, welcome. And uh, have you had any problems with the, uh, you know, with everything in terms of traveling or? Uh, I stayed here since uh, 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 since last semester. Uh, mm-hmm. So I stayed in the United States for the whole pandemic time. And in the summer, were you able to get back? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if you need a place to stay, I have an extra bedroom and stuff. If things get tough, <laughs> I don't know. I'm yeah. sure you're all taken care of, but uh, it's been a real problem for a lot of uh, Chinese residents and, and, and travelers into the United States and stuff. So um, I've only been to Shanghai and Chongqing in China, so I haven't had the pleasure of, of going to, to Wuhan. Um, anyone else? Boy. Yeah, once you get no, I, I gotta I gotta correct myself. I guess he does sound like a monster, doesn't he? After you get that whole context, you should have just he shouldn't have invited him into his house. He should have invited to just give him his entire house. That would have been better. But seriously though, the guy invites. He basically goes from a, a sort of mild joke, just like a funny ha ha, to hey, you know how's how's life been going? I'm sure this has been a challenging period for you all. Did you get back to China? By the way, if things are tough for you, I'd be happy to offer you a room in my house. And I know it's been tough for all the people who've traveled. And by the way, I've been to China a couple times myself, but haven't had the pleasure of making it to Wuhan. Um, I'm sorry. Did everything I just say there, even if you're still upset with this man and his very, very mild joke, don't you think that that context was important? Don't you think... If you were really interested in reporting what actually happened, the truth, that you should get the full context of this man's word somewhere, that entire interaction, and indeed the fact that clearly the student on the other end didn't appear any way bothered by, again, this totally innocuous joke. So here's the thing. At the Missourian, the student's The reporters are students, but the editors are professionals. So you know what? This better be a really good teachable moment for your students, for your student reporters and editors and everything else, all you professional people at the Missourian. Because if it's not, if this is not something that you're going to fix or correct and indeed make it a teachable moment for your entire newspaper, then frankly, shame on you. Because you've taken a man who... From all I can tell, based on the comments that I can see, the vast majority of people who are commenting this from Mizzou are supporting this man and saying he's always just trying to keep it light, have a little bit of fun, just you know, tell some silly dad jokes now and then, but he's one of my favorite professors. That seems to be the consensus that I'm seeing. So you know what? If you want to find actual racism, go out there and get it. Stop trying to destroy people's lives who are ostensibly on your side. 
frankly, if you're a student and you couldn't tell the difference between that person's joke and an actual racist statement, then you're frankly too dumb to be in college. I'm sorry. That's just actually true. I just find it hilarious that after one day on Zoom, on one day, this guy is our, we've already found a professor to get axed for telling a totally innocuous joke. I mean, let's be honest. This whole Zoom thing is going to cause a lot of problems because it's going to allow the most humorless group of college students in the history of the world to record, dissect, and indeed edit your comments out of context for whatever gain they're imagining is coming toward them. Yikes. So here's the deal, everybody. At a certain point, these people are going to behave how they want to behave, but you're going to have to tell them to buzz off at a certain point. No more apologies for innocuous jokes and for, for no more apologizing when you didn't do anything wrong. You're empowering these losers and these idiots. I'm sorry. I got to be frank. You people make me sick. And, and again, if this is not corrected by the Missourian, this is a sad day for the School of Journalism. Okay. As I descend my soapbox once again, i just like to thank you all once again for subscribing, reviewing, and sharing with a friend. So, until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.